Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. You're listening to Live by Every Word here on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm and have a live link at thetrumpet.com. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. The Apostle Paul wrote extensively about God's law, and many people misinterpret Paul's writings, and they think that Paul was saying that the law of God is done away and it no longer has to be kept. But if we understand what Paul was writing, we see that God's law is very much in effect. And it's something, of course, we should be very thankful for. I mean, after all, I think we all appreciate it when someone keeps God's law towards us. You know, I like it if people don't steal from me. I like it when people don't lie to me. Think about God's law and how beneficial it is. We all like God's law. We like it being kept by others. And God, of course, wants everyone to keep his law because really love is the fulfilling of the law. And that's the way we show love is by keeping God's law and and being um, lawful as citizens and as members of his church, if we're in God's church. And so Paul was really emphasizing the need to do God's law and to keep God's law, and yet sometimes people misunderstand what he was saying. Paul instructed us to keep God's law. Notice, we have a few passages today. We're going to look at this a little more, look at what Paul said, and understand the importance of God's law. And we'll start in Romans 3 and verse 23. And if you have a Bible, uh, it'd be good to look at these so we can see what God's Word says about the law. Romans 3 and verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, with the exception, of course, of Jesus Christ. Now, the trumpet editor-in-chief, Mr. Gerald Flurry, he also is the editor, main editor for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, and he wrote this in one of the messages from the editor that was in the beginning of Lesson 10. And he said, Paul knew there was nothing we could do to erase the penalty of death by ourselves. See, we've all sinned, as we just read there, and there's nothing that we can do, as we'll see, that can erase that. Mr. Flurry says no amount of law-keeping could erase that penalty, right? So, I mean, let's say a person stole, and then from that point forward, they never stole again. Well, that would be awesome. And that's good, but it still can't make up for the sin they committed, right? And that's why we need a Savior. Mr. Fleury writes that. He says we all need a Savior. It is by God's grace, after we repent, that the penalty for sinning against God's law no longer hangs over us. But after accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, Paul was very clear about our need to live in accordance with God's law, And that requires a miracle, as he says. It requires God's Spirit to really live in accordance with God's law. But the penalty for sin is death. That penalty has to be paid. And Christ paid that penalty. 
So the sins that people repent of, those are forgiven. But then we go forward living according to God's law and keeping God's law. Notice what Paul wrote concerning how we are to live after repenting and accepting Christ's sacrifice and being baptized. Romans 6, verses 1 through 2. Paul really making it clear here. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Shall we just keep sinning? He says that grace may abound. So again, you see sometimes the misunderstanding that people would have. They'd say, oh, well, if Christ paid the penalty, then uh, we're, we're okay. <laughs> we can just move forward. Well, yes, we are reconciled to God by the death of Christ, but we're saved by his life. Christ has to live in us. He's, and, and Paul's saying here, are we supposed to continue in sin? Then he says, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. No way. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So when a person's baptized, that symbolizes dying. It symbolizes the death and the burial with Christ, and then coming up out of the water to newness of life. Christ was resurrected from the dead, and we are to walk in newness of life. We're still physical, still human beings, but we have to then walk as Christ walked, and Christ perfectly obeyed God's law. A true Christian is under grace, that's true, forgiven of the death penalty of past sins that have been repented of. But obviously, we aren't just go on breaking God's law. We're to live according to God's law. Paul asks the question and answers it. Shall we continue in sin? He says, God forbid. Nope. Keep God's law. The Bible Correspondence Course, which again is free, and it's at thetrumpet.com. Please sign up for that course if you haven't already and take it. It really gets into all of these subjects in just very powerful ways, and there's a lot of depth to it. The Correspondence Course says he then goes on to explain the inspiring symbolism revolving around the baptismal ceremony. A clear understanding of this symbolism is vital for us to comprehend why we need the Holy Spirit and why Christ must be living in us today. So Paul goes on and he explains more about this and as we continue here in Romans 6, looking at verses 3 through 8. Paul writes, Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. And he's talking about the symbolism here of that baptismal ceremony. He says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See, the way that people walk without God's knowledge and without God's Spirit is they walk according to the course of this world. And that's a, a carnal mind. It's the fleshly interests and pulls, and there's a lot of sin involved there. But here, Paul's telling us, look, after you're baptized— Walk in newness of life. Walk a different way. And what way would that be? Well, it's different than the way we walked previously. If we walked after the lusts of the flesh before, now we walk in accordance with God's law, using God's Spirit to keep the law of God. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together 
in the likeness of his death, again, symbolized by baptism, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And we're not resurrected yet, but we are to walk in newness of life in this physical life that we're in. Walk in newness of life, and that means obeying God. And he goes on to explain further, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that old man that sinned, that was, you know, pulled by the lusts of the flesh, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Okay, well, how do we not serve sin? By not sinning. We obey God. When we obey God, we serve God. And that's the only two choices there are. We either serve God or we serve sin. And he said, we should not serve sin. Verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Verse 8, now, if we be dead with Christ, again, symbolically through baptism, we believe that we shall also live with him and will be resurrected. There will be a literal resurrection to spirit life. Christ was resurrected to spirit life, to God life. And Paul says we will be too. If, again, we're walking in this newness of life and we're growing, notice down in verses 10 through 12, Paul says, for in that he died... He died unto sin once, talking about Christ. That's the sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. That's how Christ lives. And Christ is to live in us, and we're to live the same way. Walking in that newness of life, using the power of God's Spirit to do that. Verse 11, Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, meaning don't do it anymore, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. See, that's the old way of life. That's the way the old man lived. He let sin reign in his mortal body. It had control. It had rule. It obeyed the lusts of the flesh. We're told, don't do that. Walk in newness of life. Be led by God's Spirit. Let God rule us. Don't obey God's law. Down in verse 14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, so people in that right there, they say, wait a minute. He said, not under the law, but under grace. And they kind of stop with that and say, well, that's it, right? We're not under the law anymore. But what's being explained here, if we read all of these passages and understand them, is that, and it even says in verse 14 there in the beginning, sin shall not have dominion over you. Well, how would sin have dominion over somebody? Well, when they're sinning. When they're sinning. Right? What he's talking about here is we're not under the penalty of law, the death penalty, but under grace. Those, those past sins, those repentative sins are forgiven when we repent. And then we move forward. We move forward to make sure sin does not have dominion over us. We don't let it rule us. We let God rule us. Verse 15, well, what then? He, he goes on to, to explain it more. Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Again, he asks the question and then he answers it. God forbid. No. No. Should we just go around sinning? No. No, we should not. Verse 16, he says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, 
whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Paul really makes it clear, but everything has to be read and understood. He said, look, you're going to obey one or the other. And if you serve sin, you're going to die. But if you obey God, you're going to live. You're going to live. The correspondence course says, in order to walk in newness of life so that we might not serve sin, God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit immediately after repentance and baptism. The Holy Spirit is the very power of God. It is the mind of God. It is God's free gift promised to us after repentance and baptism. You can read about that in Acts 2 and verse 38. The quote says, Walking in newness of life means living a life led by the Spirit of God. And that's in Romans 8 and verse 14. The Holy Spirit actually gives us the very mind of God. Walking in newness of life, obeying God, following God's direction, and using the power of God's Spirit to be led that way. The the Spirit doesn't force us, but it leads us, and then we have to follow that lead to obey God. See, Paul was giving a, a great picture here about baptism, what it symbolizes, and the fact that God's law needs to be obeyed. And we have a sacrifice. We have Christ that pays the penalty for those past sins when we repent. It's a beautiful thing. But we're to go forward in newness of life. How does Christ live today? Does he go around sinning? Of course not. Of course not. God doesn't sin. And so we're to walk in newness of life like Christ did and does. And that means we're not to sin either. We're to obey God's law. It should be clear why God gives us his Holy Spirit after baptism. That's the power that we need to overcome and actually take on that divine nature of God. We need that power. You know, humanly, we're, we're weak. <laughs> we need the mind of Christ through the power of God's Spirit. Christ has to be living in us through the power of God's Spirit. And we have to be led by that Spirit to really overcome and to conquer sin. Satan and self and society, all those poles, those sinful poles, we need God's power to overcome that. The quote from the correspondence course says, it is by that power of the Holy Spirit that the resurrected Jesus Christ is actually living in us today. And it is by that power that we develop the active living faith of Jesus Christ. See, God's Spirit is essential here. But God doesn't give us his spirit so we can then go on and keep sinning. That's not what God's spirit leads us to do. God's spirit leads us to obey him. And so we have to be doing that. Galatians 2 and verse 16, Paul writes, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified By the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, Mr. Fleury writes. People might argue, see, the law has been done away. But notice Paul talks specifically about two kinds of faith. Faith in Christ and the faith of Christ. It is only by the faith of Christ that we can be saved. That's what saving faith is. 
modern translations that render the faith of Christ as faith in Christ are inaccurate. See, we need the faith of Christ that comes through the power of God's Spirit. We need that faith. And, of course, we need we need to be obeying God. But if we have sinned, which we all have, we read that there early on, if we all have, then what's going to pay the penalty for that? Christ has to. Christ's sacrifice has to. We could keep the law perfectly from this point forward. It doesn't make up for the past. Christ's sacrifice pays that penalty when we repent, and then we are to go forward in newness of life and use God's Spirit to obey him and to grow and to overcome sin. Christ perfectly obeyed the law of God. He always did his Father's will. One last quote here from the Correspondence Course. It says, Prior to receiving the Holy Spirit, God leads us to repent and accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Accepting Jesus Christ is outwardly manifested by the baptismal ceremony. It is true that we will not be saved without these two vital steps, but neither will we be saved without the faith of Christ, which can only be received after God gives us his Holy Spirit. It is through that power that we actually attain the faith of Christ, and it is by that faith that we will go on and receive salvation if we endure unto the end. See, God's law needs to be kept, but we need power to do that. We need the power of God's Spirit, which gives us the faith of Christ and gives us that mind of Christ. Philippians 2 and verse 5 talks about that. So, again, it's essential, and Paul was showing it, that the law of God is very much in effect. It very much needs to be obeyed, and we need the sacrifice of Christ as well. And then we go forward in that newness of life, and it's an exciting and it's a thrilling way of life. There's a lot more about that in The Incredible Human Potential. That's a vital book. That's free at thetrumpet.com. And also, of course, the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. If you're not a um, person that has signed up for that yet, please do so. It's free. You can go through it at your own pace, and it will get into a lot of these really important and vitally uh, essential topics from your Bible. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.